Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, we've been going down this road for a little bit, starting to talk about the Super Beatles, and this podcast today is about a particular late model Beatle, not a Super Beatle, but a standard Beatle, the last standard Beatle, the last year the standard Beatle was built. And this is uh, the, the guy I'll have on the podcast today is the guy that purchased to date the most expensive one that I know of. But we'll get into that in a minute. First, I wanted to give a couple shout outs. First shout out goes to Duffy O'Rourke out of Aurora, Colorado, picking up some merch. I appreciate you, Duffy. Thanks, man, for the support. Uh, also, we've got Rex Douglas out of Lynchburg, Virginia, and he leaves a message with me and he says, I love listening to the podcast. Now I have a 2002 Mexican bug. I bought it from a friend in 06 with 84 kilometers. It now has 68,000 kilometers on it. It was in California Garage Queen and now Virginia Daily Driver. Well, kudos to you, Rex. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for supporting the podcast and drive that Mexican Beetle. We'll see what happens of mine there's all kinds of stuff in the works and uh more details to that will be unfolding shortly but appreciate the support thanks for supporting the podcast if you guys want to get a shot on pick up some merch leave a five-star review on apple podcast and you get a shout out on the podcast as well as you'd be famous for 10 seconds uh hearing hearing your voice on let's talk dubs but i definitely appreciate all the support if you want to support the podcast go to let's talk dubs.com click on the merch link and pick up some merchandise to support i do i will have some new shirts coming out i do have the one crazy weekend resale shirts available that don't have sponsor logos and they don't have dates on them and they're actually a pretty cool shirt i just been really sucking at getting that upload on the website but i will get it uploaded to the website the next weekend um and we'll get uh we'll get those available to you guys as well as i have some other shirt designs being done right now which are going to be pretty cool as well so and don't forget to support our sponsors uh latest issue of vw trends magazine's got an article by your boy Persley with photographs by ian mockler they're on johnny osmondson's 62 world's fastest street race bug so get it if you don't get it uh i feel sorry for you son but uh, you should go find an establishment that carries VW Trends Magazine. And if you don't, if there's none around you, go to vwtrendsmagazine.com and subscribe today. Support those that support Let's Talk Those Podcasts. Speaking of support, I just got a package from my boy Jason over there at Ross Wolf. I got some uh, shift couplers and I got the uh, dash block off plate for the bus because in the old limo bus, the dash is hamburgered on there. And uh, I'm going to slap that panel in, do a little quick video on that, show you how that goes in and how, how much it makes it look so much better. Just got to nail down a little bit of that mango paint. So uh, other than that, uh, we've got a great podcast for you today. Oh, by the way, go check out Lanny Hussey custom cars go to his facebook page lanny hussey has been building some of the baddest stuff for over a decade he's got phenomenal builds with attention to detail completely over the top so if you're looking to have a car built and you're in the pacific northwest area or matter of fact anywhere in the country at all lanny hussey custom cars go check him out on facebook he's got a facebook page he does phenomenal work attention to detail above everything else so check him out give him a follow on his facebook page lanny hussey custom cars as well as his Instagram. So this week's podcast, as we've been discussing Super Beatles in the past, and we started talking about, and my eyes were open to the production level of Volkswagen starting to drop considerably as we got into the late 70s. What really struck a chord with me is the 1977 Beetle, there was 12,000 units made, which is the lowest production number, one of the lowest production numbers of all time once it went into production. And the 1977 standard Beetle is now, it's, I've added it to my search criteria. So with the advent of discovering this, that other people that are already in the know we're knowing we did a deep dive on that come to find out uh, one of the listeners of the podcast uh, mike goody who's on the podcast today he owns goody plumbing in chicago longtime vw enthusiast he's been in the game for a long time and he's really got an affinity for the late model beetles he does have a cool he does a really cool 67 with carbon fiber bits and pieces you'll hear about that buddy hale paint i mean we've got in, the, in this hobby you got you got paths that somewhat cross every now and again 
a lot of in, in like the six degrees of separation. So Mike's one of these guys long time ago sent me some gear. He's got a plumbing company in Chicago. They've got a couple buses on the road, air cooled buses with air conditioning and all kinds of stuff. And they're on the road uh, representing his plumbing company. And he's got a little bit of a collection himself. And come to find out, not only is he a listener, he's also the guy that bought what I the the one that I know is one of the most expensive seventy seven Beetles that was sold on Bring a Trailer. Uh, it sold upwards of fifty thousand dollars, and it is a hundred and twenty mile you know original car. And so we got the story of that. We've got his history plus the story of that seventy seven Beetle, and we discuss a little bit of the stuff that I missed on the Super Beetle, but. I promise you this is not the end of this conversation because this is a whole nother world that we're going down into the late model stuff. But I love them all. I love them all just the same. So uh, it's going to be it's a great podcast, good listen and interesting to hear how there's so many links between different guys from different regions of the states and everybody has that same level of passion. So it's a great podcast today. Let's get into it now. Record setting 1977 Beetle on Bring a Trailer on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Okay, everybody. So on today's show, we had an episode a few a few um, a few episodes back about the Super Beetle, and I definitely got some feedback. Got a lot of feedback from people on some of the particulars in respect to the Super Beetle, right? So we started talking about um, the Super Beetle and the the variables on it, and I got a an email from Russell Ritchie, and you know Russell said wanted to drop me a line and said there was a couple things that we didn't talk about. Um, and he went over, you know, one of the things that we missed to, to discuss with respect to the Super Beetle was the rack and pinion steering um, and a, a couple other, you know, uh, a couple other various modifications and some things with respect to the Super Beetle that maybe we need to recover some more. But what he hit me with most is he, as Russell said to me, you know, we, we know Russell's probably the one of the biggest VW collectors that's out there. And he said, Bill... He says, I thought that your conversation and values was miles off and thinking these would become collector cars in the future. Too late. They are now, over the last few years, these cars have blown the market on bat, which is bring a trailer. And with exception of one swim wagon and one split beetle are the top six highest cars bid, especially at the rare, the rare low mileage ones. So he gave me a list of the five that were sold. There's a 190 mile Super Beetle sold for 90,000, 979 mile Super Beetle, 71,000, 63 miles, 74, Sun Bug Convertible, 57,000, and then a 78, 178 mile 79 Volkswagen for 55,000 and an 862 mile 79 Super Beetle Convertible. And obviously, all those are convertibles that sold from 90 to 42,000. And in addition to that, there was um, there's a 1977 Beetle that sold for it was a sedan, and it sold for upwards of fifty thousand dollars on Bring a Trailer. And so, with all that taking place, I happened to run across chatting with a longtime podcast listener, hardcore VW enthusiast, 
and he sent me a message on Instagram and we started talking and, and I could tell he had some, some passion behind super Beatles and come to find out he's the gentleman that purchased the 77 Beetle, which we discussed on the Super Beetle podcast, is the lowest production number Beetle. Uh, the last year you could purchase the sedan, and he purchased probably the lowest mileage one out there. And so on today's show, I've got Mike Goody out of Chicago, uh, out of Illinois, and we're gonna get his we're gonna get him on the podcast here um, and go over some of the details in respect to all that stuff. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Hey, so and now what, what part of Illinois are you in Chicago or are you in a, a, another part of Illinois? Yeah, no, I'm actually uh, in the city of Chicago, oh. uh, northwest side. So in Chicago, you and I have spoken back and forth. Since the beginning of the podcast days, you sent me a message and we've chatted back and forth. And I know that you had a various collection of cars. And one of the things that kind of brings this whole thing full circle is the 1977 sedan that has... What it's 130 miles on it when you bought it? Yeah, 138. So, and it may, as as from what we know now, it may hold the record for the most expensive sedan sold of 1977. But then, maybe they're not all recorded as to what they sell for, right? And we talked about the 77 sedan being the last year you could purchase a Beetle, an actual sedan Beetle. Yeah, that's correct. 1977 was the last year they sold the sedan in the United States. And that was, just to be clear, that was a standard sedan. The Super Beetle, the last year they sold those in the U.S. was 1975. And that was only available in an edition called the La Grande Bug, which was kind of a, you know, they had nicer seats and some other outfittings that weren't available previously. Correct. And so one of the things that, that when we started talking about this whole thing, and so to, to give, and not that you need any credibility, but... You, you just had a car featured and you had your Super Beetle just recently, a, a different car, a Super Beetle featured in Hot VWs uh, not too long ago with the one with the turtle backs on it, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Because I, I know you're Which, a fan By the of- <laughs> way, I originally, I know you and I joked around about those wheels. I hated those wheels, but I was determined to use all the original VW, uh, VW accessories at the time. But I'm, I'm with you. I didn't like those wheels at all at first. And in fact, when that car first got done, I saw the pictures of it. I'm like, no, you got to change those wheels. We got to do fuchs and all that. And I'm like, no, but the, uh, the guy that probably goes, give me a minute. Let's get it to the right stance. I think you'll change your mind. So. And, and what's interesting is, is that's the same way that I felt about the cosmics when I put them on the type 34 gear. It was like, I didn't think they were ugly, but I wasn't a big fan. I'm not a big fan of black wheels. Right. And, and when I got them, the reason why I got cosmics is after seeing Randy Gates split window and thinking, which is another connection that we have is through Buddy Hale, right? You had Buddy Hale paint one of your cars. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But, yep. you know, seeing the seeing the Cosmics, when I saw Randy Gates' car and the BRMs, and I thought, man, what would top a split window? And I thought, a Type 34 Gia, because I've never seen one build one to this level. And then what would be the rarest wheels you could put on it? Cosmics, because they're not available. At the time, they weren't reproducing them and all that stuff. And it's one of those things where it's like you kind of grow to love something because it's so rare. And we're going to get into the turtle backs because I want to know a little bit about the history of turtle backs. I didn't even know they were a factory VW wheel. <laughs> and well, they, yeah, they were, they were a dealer option. They were made by superior industries in, uh, in Van Nuys, California, but okay. they were made for VW and they were available as an option. Like when you bought the car uh, from your dealer, they were available as an option. Really? And yeah, so let's, the way we always start the podcast, um, you've got a collection of cars. You've got a 67 with a Berg five and a bunch of stuff. 
uh, carbon fiber parts and pieces that, that you built way back in the day. You've got, your, I mean, you've, you've got a slew of your collection, but the way we always start the podcast is how did you get into Volkswagens and what's your VW story? Sure. So I was about four years old and um, this is like in 1979 and my mom, my mom needed a car. My, my dad had an illustrious uh, history with different cars and um, he bought from, so, okay. So my uncle Al was uh, a McHenry County, Illinois police officer mm-hmm. and the patrol car they gave him was a 68 Beetle. Uh, believe it or not, when they really? retired that car. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was a lifelong Volkswagen guy too. He had bought a, couple of new VWs in the sixties. But when he, when that car, that 68 Beetle was retired in 79, he bought it from the police department and kept it as his daily driver's commuter. Hmm. And, um, when he sold it, well, he bought that car probably in the mid seventies, I should say they retired it in about 75. My dad bought it in 79 and everybody took me for riding it the next day. And for whatever reason, I was completely smitten. That was it for me. I love Volkswagen's ever since then. So yeah. as a kid, I started collecting toys and memorabilia and, you know, any, it was, I was an easy kid to buy Christmas gifts for because it was anything with BW, I was good. Right. Right. You know, so then when I became a, a teenager, I started saving money and working and, um, I loaned some, I borrowed some money from my dad. Actually, my first BW that I actually bought was a 74 Super Beetle that I bought for 50 bucks. Yeah. But the first decent Volkswagen I had, I was 16 and my dad loaned me some of the money and I had other, had other money from work and it was a 64 sunroof sedan. But that, that's kind of how I got into them. Um, my mom would uh, take me to, there was a Volkswagen shop in a suburb called Wilmette Import Motors. And she would take me up there on Saturdays and just let me sit in the cars when they were closed. So I, I had pretty cool parents in terms of the car thing. <laughs> Right. And so, and, and it being, you know, interestingly enough, like if you've got a pretty good Chicago accent, which means you've been, (laughs) you've been in Chicago for a while, but your style is the typical eighties kind of vibe. I mean, the cow look like the whole thing. So how, how, how does your exposure, cause I'm always fascinated with this in the Midwest, when does your exposure come to, uh, VWs? And you start to kind of find, you know, because was there a bunch of cow look style VWs in Chicago growing up in high school? There were there was nothing around. It's like in 1981, my mom bought me a VW magazine. We were at a grocery store. It was called Volkswagen Classics, and I still have it. And then I started reading uh, hot VWs, and I started reading about like Chris Klingeman, uh, which is still my all time favorite, like ultimate drag car. If I could get anything, that'd be the car to get. It's Chris Klingeman's car, which is now in Japan. Mm-hmm. But him and Mike Smith had a had a pretty good um, rivalry going. So just reading about the, what everybody was doing out in California, I used to read Hoppy W's, VW Trends, uh, cartoons, magazines. So reading about the magazines, the the cars in in Chicago, uh, at least in my area, were very very different. Most of them were just beaters that my friends had. Um, there were no '60s bugs left around. They were all gone, you know, because we have really brutal. You know, the the streets are full of potholes and salt and snow, and most of the cars that were around were from the seventies and those were clinging on by a thread at the time. Mm-hmm. By the time the late eighties, early nineties uh, hung around. In fact, my mom's bug, the 68 bug, it had no heater channels left. She used to drive with one hand in the steering wheel, the other hand with an ice scraper for the inside of the windshield. Oh, wow. And that's how we got around. That was our car for getting around like my mom's car, you know? So, um, yeah, there was no Cal look bugs around back then, at least not in my area. And, we had one VW shop called Phil's Incorporated that mm-hmm. did a lot of VW performance and speed stuff, but they were the only ones around doing anything. And because of because of the lack of early cars there, did you you think you gained an affinity for like the the, the mid to late seventies Beatles? I think that's what it was. I just I grew up around them. I still liked the fifties and sixties bugs because that was always my dream. In fact, when I was fifteen. 
um, my dad did help me get a, uh, a 56 beetle, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, was, it was $500, you know, but that was like, that was something that was the envy of all my buddies because yeah. they, you just never, ever saw them. And that car had been sitting in the garage for many, many, many years. And it was still full of rust. Um, and it had been off the street for decades when I got it. Um, I ended up kind of putting it together as best I could and used it for a year or two in high school, you know, freezing, uh, because of, you know, when it was pouring in from all these rust holes and all that. But, right. Uh, but yeah, I think that's what it was. It was. Like there were a lot of seventies bugs around and you can get them for three or four, three or four hours. And you know, they'd get you where you needed to go. They were, they were one of the few cars that would go through the snow and start up in the winter. Even the ones that were pretty beat down shape, you know, in the eighties and early nineties, most of the cars were not very good. The American cars and even the Japanese cars, they were just, they were shot, you know, yeah. all the rust and salt and everything. And then, so you, your first Volkswagen you have, do you, do you keep your first Volkswagen or do you, do you find a time when you like pull away from the VW scene, you focus on work and maybe having a family or doing whatever and then get back into it? Or do you have a, do you own a Volkswagen throughout all the time? I, I always have my first one, the 74 Super Beetle that I had, it was a $50 car and, um, I got it running and everything, but I ended up, I ended up parting it out because it was in such bad shape at the time. You know, Super Beetles are worth nothing. And mm-hmm. so I ended up parting it out. But the first nice Beetle I had, the 64, uh, my brother and a friend and I were actually driving in it. And um, I hate to admit it, but I, but I missed a red light and I got T-boned. Mm-hmm. And I totaled that car. Um, in fact, if, I, if I'm honest, I wrecked a few of them, enough that my uncle nicknamed <laughs> me the uh, Volkswagen serial killer. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, Ted, the Ted Bundy of the I was pretty hard on cars, yeah. man. I, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was pretty hard on cars well. But no, I've always, I've always had one. And I've that, always had one. So you've always had one. And then when do you start doing your first, what's the first car that you kind of decide I'm putting some money in and I'm building one the way that I want it. And who do you go to and what do you do? Well, I had a couple of nice ones over the years. I had a really, really nice 64 that I actually want to show with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two weeks later I rolled, rolled it and totaled that. Um, and, but the, so the, you can see there's a theme here. Serial killer but, um, strikes again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Although, so the first car that I really did that I'm like, okay, I'm going to go all out on it. That was my 67 that I still have. I bought that car in 2000. And in fact, the gas tank from the car I rolled is in that car. So some of it lives on. Yeah. Um, and that's the car that Buddy Hale did for me. Buddy Hale did that car in like 2002. And how do you, how do you find out who Buddy Hale is to take him that car? So I had the car done here and, um, I had it painted and, and, uh, a couple of buddies and I, we drove it from Chicago to California for the classic, drove it out there. And my car was a pretty decent car, pretty mm-hmm. decently done. It was all, I had it all painted and everything. And it was a new beetle, um, the metallic green that they had like in the late nineties. Yeah. And, um, I saw the way they were doing those cars out there. I'm like, okay, I got to redo this car. This is not <laughs> to the standards. You know, you know what I'm saying? You've been to the yeah, classic. So well, I saw, I saw Randy Gates split window and it changed my life i was like exactly i I have to have at least one car that nice you know what i mean it really oh that was mine with this that was that this was supposed to be that car i wanted it to be really really nice you know yeah so uh, when i got back i took it apart and i was looking for a body guy and the name buddy hale kept coming up you know he was like 12 years old or something like that at the time (laughs) but um (laughs) but no he was his name was just coming up and the name kept coming up on calluck.com and some of the forums and my buddy Chuck Fryer, who was a corn panzer, said, why don't you just send your car out there? You keep finding going to these shops around Chicago and you're not finding what you want. 
Um, why don't you send it out to him? So I made a call and he, he was blown away that somebody would send him a car from another state. Mm-hmm. And, and because now people send him cars from all over the world. But at the time, this was, I think, the first car that he took that was not local. And so I sent it out to him. I had never met this guy before. Uh, I just talked to him on the phone a bunch of times. And in fact, the first VW show that I went to, I thought he was, I figured he was a guy like in his 40s. Right. And at the time, he was still in his 20s. So I met him at a show. I'm like, oh man, I hope this guy does a good job because he yeah. looks so young, you know? Yeah. But um, he ended up doing just a, a bang up job, just a great guy. And uh, I consider him a really good friend now, you know? But he just did a really great job. Um, he was still honing his skills. Each car at the time he did was a little bit better. Like, when I got my car back, I actually brought a friend of mine's car out there, 65 sedan that he did. And when we went to pick that up, we brought, we brought another car out for him to do. <laughs> and you could tell, you could tell each step that he was getting, getting better with each car, you yeah. know, but my car's, my car's been in paint for over 20 years and it still looks good. So. Oh yeah. L- listen, buddy does top notch work, man. And there's no, there's no question about that. Now, uh, there's a couple details on your car um, that uh, on your 67 that you wanted to talk about that, uh, cause you've got some, f- uh, carbon fiber parts on that, right? I do. So and I think you'll probably appreciate this cause I know you're into the German look cars. Mm-hmm. I was reading you know, a lot of Volkswagen stuff. Uh, and they did a lot of German look cars. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, Rommel. I'm not sure if I'm yeah, pronouncing that yeah, right or not, yeah. but they were doing a lot of those cars. And so, but I also like the Calix style a lot. So I said, okay, I want a car that will, um, have the technology of, uh, of a German look car, but it'll look like a Cadillac car. And I wanted it to be able to run with, at the time, a 911 turbo in a quarter mile. Like that was kind of my goal. So I sent the car out to him and we've got carbon fiber hood, fenders, uh, deck lid and running board for it. I actually bought bumpers for him too, but they were late models and he refused to put them on. He's like, I'm not putting those on to look terrible. And you know, buddy, if he's said like, he's, he, he's going with it, you know, but he ended up being right. I'm glad I didn't, I'm glad I didn't put those on, but he's like, I, I said, you got to put these on and paint. He goes, I don't care. They're coming back in the car. They're not going on this thing. They look terrible. <laughs> right. So I did. So I, so I did that and I had the car, we had the car in paint. And then I also did uh, split window bumpers and split window trim on it. And at the time it had a 2160 uh, CB performance EFI turbo. Yeah. We could we just couldn't, we couldn't get the injection to work right on it. So eventually, um, eventually that engine was replaced by uh 2332 with 48 uh, IDAs on it. And it's it's also got a uh, Berg five-speed with a Quave differential, which Mark Herbert cost me a lot of money at the time by putting that video up that he did with the Quave differential. I don't know if you've seen that or yeah. not. Oh, yeah. But yeah. there's a video with him, like, okay, after I saw him, like, I've got to do this. Because at the time, I was a single guy. I had no kids. I wasn't married. So, you know, I had the money to do it, you know. So all I would do is I was working, you know, 80 hours a week and, you know, didn't have a whole lot of responsibility at the time. I mean, it's a sharp-looking car. And this car's never been featured? It actually hasn't. No, it's never it's never been featured. Yeah, it's wild, man. Any guys in the magazine get up there in the Chicago area, man? You guys ought to put that car, put that. Well, car that car's there. actually in Arizona right now because I split my time between Chicago and Arizona, so that car's actually out here with me now. It's the first car that I brought out here. Perfect. So there's a chance that may happen. Yeah, so that this, may, that so may this, end up happening. This car's coming to Let's Talk Dubs one crazy weekend this year. Uh, that's the plan. That's, that's the plan. I, do, you're not, I built it to drive, you know. That's it. That's when I had Pat Downs build the original engine. I said, I want to be able to come visit you, man. You know, and that's when I was living in Chicago. I want to come visit you in California. So, no, that's awesome. It's, most, it's made for the road. That's why I did the five speed and it's got some Ron Lummis, you know, suspension bits on it and all that. So, yeah, it should be ready to come see you too. No, that's all we have. We just got our date. So, it's going to be the 6th and 7th of October is our show coming up this year. So, I uh, signed the contract today with the hotel and, uh, it's October 6th and 7th of this year. 
and I'm I'm really it's gonna be it's gonna be a monster. It just keeps growing. The show just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And the best part about it is everybody drives their Volkswagens around Vegas in a big group. Like whether it's the poker run or the strip cruise or whatever it is, it's just one of those epic things where like everybody when they do it, they want to come back and do it again because it's it's controlled to some degree, but it's just it's the best time you can have. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm I'm super Super excited, especially when we get some cool cars like this out here. Now, what made you pick doing yeah. carbon fiber fenders for it? Car, because you got carbon fiber hood and deck lid. Yeah, carbon fiber hood, deck lid, fenders, running boards, and there's a couple of small pieces in there too. And, and, a lot of it was because what they were doing in in, in Europe, you know, with right. the German look. I'm like, man, I love the technology that they're bringing the Volkswagens up to date into like what Porsche was doing at the time. Um, but I still, I, and I love the German look cars too. Um, especially on a Super Beetle mm-hmm. or a late model car, but on the early car, I, I, I was really into the traditional Cadillac too, which I, which I still am. I love, I love it all. I love Bajas, any of it, you know. Yeah. Not so, so much Mulholland look and that sort of thing. That's not really my deal. But <laughs> listen, give it time. Give it time. The Mulholland look. <laughs> you never story. know, man. <laughs> you may see me building something. It, it's, it's funny <laughs> because as the hobbies evolved, it, it's turned into one of those things where it's like some things become so cheesy they're cool. You know what I mean? Exactly. And especially with like exactly. with like Radwood and all that stuff, like all these super cheesy things from the '80s, are becoming these cool iconic things from back in the day. So, you, you build the '67, you finish you finish this car. What's your next project you move to after that? Because you got quite a few cars. I do. I too much. Well, I don't think such a thing as too many cars, but yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> so I had <laughs> there there are if they're not finished. You know what I mean? But right. it's always a struggle. But. The next car that I really did, that I did up uh, nice, was I have a, I have a 73 Super Beetle. Mm-hmm. And this was my brother, Dan, my other brother that's two years old. And my mom's like, let's get him Beetle uh, because that way if it breaks, you can fix it. I'm like, oh, nice. great. That sounds like a great plan sounds for like somebody. A, sounds like a job. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, so uh, so we bought this Beetle. It was actually supposed to be a... Um, a trike. There was a guy in Evanston, Illinois, that used to buy old Volkswagens and turn them into trikes. And his car was supposed to be a trike, but he ended up um, having to sell it. So I bought it for he, we bought it for two hundred fifty bucks, and we put a rebuilt engine in it. And that was his car through high school and college. He had that car for I don't know ten or twelve years. It was an everyday car. My brother likes cars, but he just his motto is all the engine requires is privacy. He's not maintenance, you know. So it's kind of a testament to the reliability of this thing that. You know, you never changed the oil on it, never adjusted the valves, and it just kept going and going and going. Yeah. And, um, but it got to be, it was, it was parked on the street all the time for, like I said, at least 10 years. And in Chicago, that is rough on any car, let alone one that's, you know, from the 70s. Anyway, when I got this thing, um, I was scared of him driving. I was scared for him to keep driving it because it was so rusty, but it still ran like a top, but it was so rusty. I'm like, you got to get something else. So he ended up uh, getting a new car, and I bought it from him for a dollar. And I think he came out ahead pretty sure he got the better end of that deal yeah because that car when i got it, it it was in really really bad shape the lower almost foot of it were, were just completely gone oh yeah but i said i'm gonna i'm gonna save this car you know because i, I don't know why i decided to do this you know um obviously it wasn't logic but um i started collecting <laughs> parts from swap meets and you know i you know there was people that had abandoned projects so i found you know heater channels for a good price and got a bunch of items together for it and um I decided to have the the body done. I was doing 
plumbing for this guy. And he said, listen, you know, the VW and Porsche restoration shop. And he said, I'll tell you what, um, I, I need a bathroom in my house. Uh, Cause I'm a plumbing contractor by trade. Right. Said, if you want to come do the bathroom for me, I'll do all the welding on this car. I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to come out ahead on this one for once, but right. we'll do it. So he got it all in paint or he got it all, he got all the welding done, but it wasn't in paint. And um, he said, okay, let's get this car painted. And I, at the time I didn't have the money. I just had a child and um, my child was on his way and I'm, I just don't have the money for it. this is not like a priority for me. He said, well, I'll, I'll, I need another bathroom done. I'll put it in paint. <laughs> if you do the bathroom, I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know? So now the car's in paint. And the car was sitting in my garage and I kept saying, I'm going to get this car done. And, um, my dad, my dad's got a 51 MGTD that he bought when he was 18. Mm-hmm. He's 75 now. And every year since I was about five, he, he was telling me, this is the year that we're going to do this car. And I'm still waiting. And I've even told him like, you better hurry up, man. You're running out of road, you know? Yeah. But so I was seeing my car do the same thing, sit, you know what I mean? I'm like, I, I've got to figure something out. Um, so I contacted, uh, I ran to Lance McDonald and, um, uh, at a Volkswagen show and Marty Salerno and well, they and, do. And it's funny because as a listener to the podcast, you've sent me tons of like, you should interview this guy. You should interview this guy. And there's, there's a group of you guys out there about six or seven of you guys that every now and again, I'll hear from and say, Hey, if you're doing a podcast, I'm going to give you some input. And, and I, I, I had a chance to chat with those guys at the Grand National Roadshow. Great, great guys. Great guys for sure. They are great guys. They're, they're super, you know, detailed. And, and that's what I wanted for this car. I'm like, if I'm going to do this car, this super beautiful, I'm really going to go all in. Right. Um, because I, I, I bought that car to a different shop and I wasn't happy with the work they were doing. So I took it out and I bought it to Lance and Marty. You're right. There's, there's not a lot of us in the Midwest, but the ones that are, are they're pretty hardcore, <laughs> you know? Right. So these guys had this car and they would, they put it together for me. They did all the assembly work on it. And, um, you know, just, it came out great. And you know, I just, uh, I did some of the work on it early on and just couldn't find the time to complete it. Yeah. Cause I was running a business and raising a child and, and just trying to keep things going, you know, I'm yeah. um, trying to keep my business growing, but I wanted to see this car done. I didn't want to see it uh, just sit and languish in my garage. I was tired of looking at it. And um, so I brought it up to them and, and they, they just uh, a fantastic job on it. You know, uh, best part of it's the turtle, turtle back wheels. And now, uh, <laughs> but this car is a little bit more now. It's a super beetle, but what tail are, are those aren't super beetle taillights that are on the car. You've, uh, it, it's, no, so it's kind of a full those, custom cause you're selling a little bit short. Now this, this was in which hot VWs it was in last year and last year it was in hot VWs, right? Yeah, it was October, 2022. And actually those, the taillights and rear hood are from a Volkswagen that I wrecked <laughs> uh, some years before that. So remnants, <laughs> so, good luck charms. Don't parts. let me borrow your car. <laughs> <laughs> don't let me borrow your car bill. <laughs> yeah. And so, so this car now tell us about the interior. Cause you've got uh, a special interior in it since uh, did, and did you get that idea from the Porsche guy? No, so the the color is actually a 1955 Volkswagen color called Iceland Green. I wanted it to I wanted to keep it as much VW as I could, but still have it fully custom. You right. know, so it's a it's a Volkswagen color, but it's from an earlier year, 1955. Um, the original color of that car was uh, Sumatra Green, which was a 73 color. But it's when I had it painted, it's 1955 Iceland Green, and it's got a lot of Formula V accessories. Formula V was Volkswagen's like accessory line that they came out with in the, in the late sixties. And they continued it all the way through the, uh, I want to say until like 77 when they stopped selling them in the U S. Um, but they had, um, they had like a rear speaker. They had a, sh- a sport shifter, sport steering wheel, a bunch of parts like that. And I collected those over the years and installed those And the seats are actually from a 73 only sports bug. 
Yeah. And I had the upholstery done in uh, Pasha, which is a uh, an upholstery that Porsche offered as an option in the in the mid and late seventies. Yeah. The, the, so what, somebody said, uh, it "Looks like um, it looks like a checkerboard on LSD." Yeah, which remi- I wouldn't know about. But. It reminds me of the uh, Tom Petty video where he's got the Alice in Wonderland thing. And there's just all, they're in that room with all the crazy checkerboards, and it's and it's kind of a it's kind of a checkerboard warp uh, interior. One of the, one of the guys, uh, Type Three Army, um, Justin, he's got that in his in his Type Three, but it's a real cool real cool interior, that's for sure. And then this car I also check that out. I don't think I know that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you I'll send you a link to it. But this uh-huh. this car also has air conditioning. What's the motor setup in this car? Motor and trans. It does. It does. It has air conditioning. Um, it's got a 1914 CC because this is a car I wanted more to build it, like cruise it and drive all mm-hmm. rather than all out power. So it's kind of got the power that really almost, in my opinion, should have had from the factory. Right. You know, it's got good, it's good mileage. You can drive this car all day long. It's got a four speed built by Benko. Um, it's got some performance stuff done to it. It's a freeway flyer, so it cruises at 75 or 80. Um, it's got adjustable suspension front and back, so you can adjust the ride height on it. Um, and, but it's just a really nice driving car. You know, it's got a good radio in it. Uh, the retro sounds radio, so it looks period. Um, I didn't want anything that was like over the top custom. I just wanted right. it to be a nice car, like a really nice looking, nice driving car. Now with this car, uh, how does it run with the air conditioning? I mean, like, in whose air conditioning setup is it on there? Okay, so there's two companies that are making air conditioning systems specifically for, for Volkswagen. There's ICE out of San Diego mm-hmm. and there's Gilmore Enterprises. And I've, I've got, I've got, I've had both systems cause I've had, I've got a couple of bosses as well that I use for work. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a couple of, uh, ICE systems in them and one's got a Gilmore, but then with, with this one, I went with the ICE system cause it looked much better integrated, uh, for the super beetle. Yeah. Um, but the nice thing about the modern air conditioning systems is they use almost no power. Um, the old systems that were a dealer installed option, they used like six or seven horsepower. And when you're starting out with 60, that's, you know, that's a big chunk of that. Yeah. So, but the new systems, like what I've got, they only use like one horsepower. So when it's on, you, you really can't even tell except that it's cold inside the car. Yeah. And, it, and so it, no, they're really a really nice setup and it works pretty well. I mean, you're in the Midwest there. So in the summertime, you got a lot of humidity, right? So you totally. Guys, yeah. You, you guys sweat quite a bit, but you know, us oh, we, we crack the window out here and it's just it's just like turning on a hair dryer, but you know, it's not it, it's not a humid kind of hot. So the air conditioner out there, I mean, you've you've used it on plenty of long stretches, car runs great, no issues with the AC and it just chugs along, huh? Just chugs along fine. And like I said, our traffic is brutal. So, you know, there's rumors like, oh, if you put air conditioning, it's gonna overheat. I've never had any overheating problems with any of my books, I guess, that have air conditioning. And, you know, we've got we've got about thirty five vehicles at work and three of them are buses and they've all got air conditioning and, and these guys are you, they're being used by different drivers and all kinds of traffic. <laughs> Um, and the air conditioning is a must. They're we have being, air conditioning and gas heaters for them. Yeah, they're being driven by employees, so we know. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, know, you know how that is. We know, you know? employees really take care of Brutal. company equipment. <laughs> yeah. So, and if they're listen, if they're Brutal. surviving, that's that's a testament to them. And and so this the the ice the ICE system. Did you install that, or you who installed that system for you? So in the in the buses, I installed two of them, and I had one done by somebody else because I, I just didn't have the time. But the mm-hmm. first two, I installed on my own. Um, and then the super beetle, I had Lance, uh, and Marty install that system. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's one of those things where uh, the only thing for me is like, I, I'm not a fan of how the system looks on the engine, no matter what system it is, but I'm desperate to get one air conditioned so that I, it would nothing, there would be nothing cooler than driving it around 
in the summertime, you know, with the windows up and having people think like, wow, that old car has got air conditioning. Because the reality is that technology is here where you can build them powerful enough to drive them. And what makes them uncomfortable to drive, obviously, is a lack of climate control inside there. So, yeah, but that's, that's, that's on my that's on my bucket list of things to do, build uh, one of my cars to have an AC system on it. So now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love it. And, and like I said, they're, they're a little bit of a chore to install, but uh, once they're in, it's done and, and you're cruising it and it's nice and cold. And you know, I've got a 78 bus. I'm getting ready to do a project down with my fiance and it's, it's really more hers than mine. My idea was to sell it. She wants to keep it with the one caveat is we've got to do air conditioning in it. So, yeah. and that's out in Arizona. So, you know, definitely not an argument for me on that. And you you're also, you also have a water pumper too, like a, a, a pretty unique VW water pumper. I do. I get made fun of a lot by my Volkswagen buddies for this car. They've nicknamed it the coupe uh, to make it sound more elegant. It's a, it's a 1982 quantum coupe and I can't explain why I want this. And it, it, somebody called it a Scirocco that let itself go, you know, because it's, it's a two door coupe. (laughs) It's a bigger car. Um, and they're worth probably, you know, (laughs) three grand on its best day. But I I looked for one for a long time because there were only a few of them left. They're only, um, sold here for about a year and a half from 82 to 83 and a half. And, um, they only sold about 1,700 of them, and uh, there's there's probably a reason, but I don't know. I, st- I still like it. I saw one when I was a kid. My next-door neighbor's buddy bought one. I'm like, oh, I really like that Volkswagen, so I, I kind of set out looking for one, and there's me and one other guy in California that have actually completed a restoration on them. So yeah. there's another guy that's just as uh, illogical <laughs> as myself. He's got the <laughs> same yes. mental disposition for like, yeah. looking, you know what I'm looking for? The rarest, most uncollectible Volkswagen thrust. But the crazy part is <laughs> things like that become collector's items because of the scarcity or the, you know, the failed attempt by the manufacturer to kind of break into a market and do something different. So, and that car, that, so that's a restored car. It's not because of the p- pictures you sent me, of it looks like a low mileage original car. No, it's, it's actually, it's got about 160,000 miles on it. Um, wow. It's a very original car though. That's... It's very original. It's got all the paperwork and all that with it, mm-hmm. but I did have it repainted, but didn't, it didn't need a whole lot of body work, believe it or not. And it's from the Midwest, but whoever had it must have not driven it in a lot of winters because the body was really clean. So I repainted it and, um, I just recently purchased a uh, new upholstery for the, uh, the inside of the car is almost brand new, except the driver's seat's foreign. Mm-hmm. But the guy in the guy in that's restoring the one in California happened to buy a full interior out of one in Germany, and he sold me everything that he had left over, which is which was great because I couldn't find this upholstery. It was one year only upholstery; he couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. So it's it's nice that the VW community really came through. No, you know, for that. So that's awesome. And now. It is a challenge trying to find parts, though. It's like you might as well be trying to find parts for, uh, I don't know, like a, like a Duesenberg. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's not worth really as much, you know? There's you no, cannot find trim parts for this car anywhere. Yeah, no no question about that. Now, in respect to um, the big ticket item that you got, so <laughs> we wanted to start well, we wanted yeah. to, So we wanted to start talking about Super Beetles after so we talked about super beetles some of the late model beetles and you had some things that you wanted to add in respect to that and one of the big things that we did miss talking about was probably the biggest improvement was the rack i mean next to the fuel injection would have been the rack and pinion steering which i think was a significant i mean the mcpherson strut front end was coupled with the McF- with, with the rack and pinion am i is that correct yeah so in 75 so in 71 the super beetle was introduced but they kept the old standard beetle running alongside of it. Some people have it in their mind that the Super Beetle replaced the regular beetle. It did not. They were in, in the United States. They were sold side by side. Yeah. And the 71 
regular beetle became decontented. So they took like the trim away from the windows. There's some other trim items that they took out of it to keep the price low. Um, and they put those items in the super beetle. But besides the things that you guys talked about um, on the last podcast mm-hmm. uh, with the larger trunk and the McPherson strut front suspension, they also got <clears throat> from 71 on up, they had a longer wheelbase. Um, they had uh, the way that the whole car is put together is different. Uh, from the heater channels on up. The heater channels on a standard Beetle um, are fitted under the front firewall, whereas on the Super Beetles, they, um, the heater channels actually butt up to the firewall, and I was told that that's to help improve front crash safety on it. They were really trying to make improvements on crash safety when they came out with that car. Yeah. Um, the turning radius redu- was reduced by about five feet on a Super Beetle, so there was a lot of improvements on a Super Beetle over a regular Beetle besides just the larger trunk and the front suspension. Um, then in 73, of course, they came out with a curved windshield, um, and it, it was a completely different car from the color forward, even from the uh, 70, uh, the 71 to 72. But yeah, in 75, you're right, they, they came out with rack and pinion steering, and the, the 75 Super Beetle was the last year for the Super Beetle sedan. So hang on one second. So you're saying, so from 71 to 72, that's a, you're, you're saying it's a different wheelbase on those cars? 70, 70, all the Super Beetles had a different wheelbase than the standard Beetles. So all the, Super Beetles had a, a longer wheelbase. I think it was like 95.3 instead of 94.5. So, you know, a little, little bit longer right. wheelbase. The wheelbase stayed the same on Super Beetles the entire time, the entire production. Well, that's and that's kind of my question. Also, is like, is the Super Beetle um, with with the Super Beetle being you know the, the little bit longer wheelbase? Obviously, it's difficult to see what type of different characteristics there are happening because of the compounding aspects of the strut front end and some other things that really change the driving characteristics, but you've got, you've got both, right? You've got both a standard beetle and a super beetle. Um, I do. Is there, I, I, oddly enough, I don't think, I don't recall ever driving a super beetle or driving it from the standpoint of trying to feel the difference in the suspension. And and now my, my buddy's got a shop right down the street from my, my work and now I'm going to go over there next time he's got a clean super be like hey let me take that thing for a drive because I want to see what the difference is and how it rides with the strut front end now noticeable difference in ride quality I would say they're definitely better and the thing that I liked about it you know living in the city of Chicago was the, the turning radius was a huge difference this is the, the, the Santa Beetle is not bad mm-hmm. you know for its time but it's a little bit big for a small car, but the super beetle was really nice because you could do a complete turn in like a four way in the middle of like a four way block, a city block, which mm-hmm. are really small. You guys don't have that problem out there and I don't have it in Arizona, but in Chicago, it makes a big difference. Instead of having to do a three point turn, you could do it just a complete like U-turn. Uh, so that was the thing that I really liked about it. And they also had, they had bigger brakes. Uh, so they stopped a little bit better. Um, even though they weighed a little bit more, but I think I have always found like um, that the Super Beetle seemed to stop a little bit better and they had a wider front track. So they're a little more stable on the highway, you know, for comparing stock cars to stock cars, right, you know, right. and I've driven really low mileage additions uh, of both. I, I went and looked at a uh, 71 Super Beetle that had 47,000 miles on it. Um, and the car, it, it car drove fantastic. The heat wrote, uh, worked great in it. And it, you can see why people bought them. Yeah. You know, so there, there were definitely, like, from a daily driver standpoint, there were definitely some advantages to a Super Beetle. Well, and one of the reasons I bought the Mexican Beetle that I have is I wanted to see what it was like to drive a new Beetle. You know what I mean? And Exactly. I mean, to, to some degree, you get, you can have that experience buying really low mileage original cars 
or buying in my case, like a brand new beetle, you know, Mexican beetle, but you know, it still has the beam front end and all that stuff. And, um, and now I've got, after talking with, uh, uh, you know, after doing the super beetle podcast, you know, it's kind of stuck in my craw. Like I'm on the, I'm on a mission looking for a super beetle. And, and if I were smart, I would buy one done, but I've never been accused of being smart. So, <laughs> you know, I'm probably gonna end up buying one that needs restoration. And, and there's, there's, there's a, um, there's one here in our, in our city that's sitting somewhere uh, it's one of those sport bugs and I'd love to do a sport bug German look, you know, whole shebang, but I definitely want to drive a McPherson strut front end and actually build one out for performance, you know, cause I've got buddies, but you know, back there, my buddy, uh, Lanner Khan that's in Canada, he does the brakes and he has a V-Dub engineering is his little shop, but he does a bunch of brake conversions. He's real big into German look on the super beetles and I, and I think german looks like man to me it's my favorite my favorite look of all the beetles because it just it 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 looks so uh performance connected and so like just ready for performance and I, and I like and I, I don't even know what's wrong with me I don't know if I'm just drawn to the fact that it's kind of you know oxymoronic or, or what it is but i just think it looks it's just something that looks so rad and maybe it's just coming from the the standpoint of that's all i could drive and i wanted to be respected by other vw people or not vw people but other cars on the road by having a volkswagen that looks really cool like that or something i don't know but it, i tell you it's next it's well, i got a lot of stuff next to my list but it's down <laughs> it's on the list somewhere so when we were talking about the Super Beetles, we got into production numbers, which is really surprising to me to see production numbers just tumbling so quickly at that aspect, at that point in time, right? You had the gas crunch going on and, you know, Volkswagen's were known for being fuel efficient, but then the Japanese had moved in in the late 60s and by early 70s, they started to gain some traction. I think they were stealing some of VW sales. You know, what's what's your take on it? Definitely, definitely. Well, first, I encourage you to buy that sports bug, and um, <laughs> I encourage that, that bad decision. I'll, I'll help you go get it. Um, so, so, so yeah, I think so. I think a couple of things are happening. You know, there's a lot of rumors of like, why did BW stop selling the Beetle? Like, oh, it didn't it didn't pass crash standards anymore. It didn't pass emissions, and that's just nonsense. The Volkswagen would have they would have kept selling that car until they stopped selling it until until sales dried up and that's exactly what happened. So I think a couple things happened. Competition was increasing for sure. You had Toyota Corolla, you had the Datsun, uh, Datsuns coming out. The Americans uh, actually had small cars that were you know in my opinion they were junk, but they were they were very competitive at the time. You know the Pinto, the Vega, and the, the Gremlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you had like Mitsubishi's, the Dodge Colts, and other small cars that were really starting to. Um, target Volkswagen. In fact, a lot of these cars, which is funny to me, you know, like Ford, when they came out the Pinto, they had the Volkswagen um, in its eyesight directly, which is funny because they're aiming at a 40 year old design. Like this is our standard. We've got to hit, which says a lot, again, a lot about how well the VW stood up up until the late sixties, early seventies. But anyway, so you had the increased competition. But if you look at the sales in the early seventies, they did take a dip, but in 73, they popped back up. I think they sold, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, um, but I want to say they sold like 390,000 cars in 68 by 71 or 72. They were down to three, 318,000, but in 73, they rebounded to like 342,000. We're talking sedans, not convertibles. Um, so they rebounded. But what I think what, what happened besides the competition, what I think hurt Volkswagen sales in the U S more than 
more than even the competition was that the uh, U.S. dollar fell very badly in relation to the Deutschmark, and that caused the price to go up. So a 1971 Beetle was about 1800 bucks. Mm -hmm. Six years later, it was double. The base price of a 77 was $3,800. So it's double the wow. price in six years, you know. So imagine like a new GTI costing thirty grand now. In six years, it's a sixty thousand dollar car. How many of them are you going to move? Right. You know. So what happened is, is by seventy four, when that dollar value started to fall, you could see direct creation sales took on a nosedive. So they went from three hundred and forty two thousand in seventy three to like two hundred twenty five thousand in seventy four. I'm pulling up the stats right now. I got my trusty go. my trusty magazine that I own the car that's on the cover. And why I was so hot for this magazine is because it had the year-by-year -year changes and it made me the VW nerd whenever I was around. But I usually stopped at 67. But now looking at... <laughs> for a long time, that was me too. <laughs> so, so, this, so this is the spring of 89, How to Customize Your VWs by Hot VWs Magazine. And it says, sales in uh, 72 were 335,000 sedans. And in 1973 were 342,000, so they, they kick up a little bit. They drop in 74 to 220,000. So we see a dip of in 71 to 318, then it kicks up yeah. to 335, then it kicks up to 342, and then back down. But it's like, let me see here. It gives me interesting to look at. Yeah, so so they're, they're over 300,000, and then it just drops like a rock from you know, 73, 74, and then really 75 is the really the year it tanks because it's like it drops from 74 U.S. sales. So this isn't worldwide. This is just U.S. sales. But 220,000 yeah. 1974s sedans are sold to 78,000 in 1975. And then 76, it drops down to a third again to 23,000. And then the 77, it drops in half to 12,000. So, you know, us having that conversation and just paying attention, you know, when I was speaking earlier, uh, with, with, uh, oh, I can't remember his name from the super beetle podcast. Uh, was it Wayne Dean? Is that Wayne, is it Wayne Dean? Yeah, is that it is Wayne Dean. Geez, sorry, Wayne. Yeah. And so as I'm talking <laughs> with Wayne and it's just kind of unfolding as we're talking <clears> about it, and which is when I describe the podcast as like Joe Rogan, but Volkswagens, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. kind of the thing where it's like, I've got, I've got the book here and I've never really thought about it because it's never been. And I think it's because I never owned one that, that, because if I, I promise you, if, if my first bug was a 77, I would be, when I was 16, I'd be bragging about how I owned the rarest VW ever because there was only 12,000 of them built. You know what I mean? And totally. so when we're, when we're, as we're looking at this and we see, the production numbers start to drop. It really, you know, made me think, wow, these things should be probably worth worth a few bucks and never paying attention to that market until then Russell Ritchie grabs him by the back of the neck and says, pay attention over here, young lad. And he points you over towards the sales. And then, you know, interestingly enough, as we're talking and you're passionate about Super Beatles, you reach out to me and you, you inform me that you actually purchased the 77 sedan. Now... What what was your motivation behind it, and and when were you always thinking like if I ever find a nice seventy seven? Because now when I do my searches, and we've probably ruined it for everybody now, just added more value to your car <laughs> because this now second podcast talking about this. But you know now when I search for Volkswagens, I just type in nineteen seventy seven to see if I can get lucky because how many can there be left? You know what I mean? And it's like 
especially when there's only 12,000 to start with. So um, I think, you know, I'm sitting here thinking the the value's got to be spiked on those, especially now that, you know, Volkswagens are collectible as a whole and people now are starting to look for unique, unique aspects, whether it's the, you know, the sport bug or, you know, they, they came out with one, one year called the Baja and like trying to find the unique models and then now looking for the 77. So to buy the 77, did you have a plan to buy a 77? Was it something that was on your bucket list? Like, how does that all come together? I always, I always like them. I always like the way they, they the, I know this sounds insane, but you know, cause some people are like, oh, the big bumpers and the lights look terrible. But for some reason, the last three years of 75, six and seven, I've always been attracted to them even more so than like the mid seventies car, like the 73, 74s. Cause I thought that they had kind of returned to the roof with a standard beetle only. Right. And, uh, but they still had, they were like the pinnacle of development. They were fuel injected. They had much nicer seats. Um, they were just, they had like fresh air system standard, uh, decent power. And like I said, they just, they ran well. Um, and I don't know the, the last couple of years they had, uh, like one year only colors, you know, which I, which I thought was attractive. Like the 77 that I bought, um, what's the name of the blue? I forget what it's called, but it was only used on that year. And I've got a 70, a low mile of 76 also that was a topaz metallic. And it was also one year only color. So I thought that was kind of neat. They just stood out from the crowd. Um, and there weren't, there weren't a lot of sedans that came with the 74 and up large bumpers in, in comparison to earlier cars. So I just thought they, they were a little different, you know? Um, and I, and also they're hard to find, like you say, they, they had lower production numbers in the early fifties, 77. Uh, and I think even 70, yeah, 77 was the lowest production that Volkswagen had or lowest sales that they'd had in the United States, um, since 1954 i think 1954 was the, the last time they had sold that few but even in the 60s and 70s some of the 50s beetles were collectible mm-hmm. 70s bugs in my opinion haven't become collectible until just really recently so there's probably less of those on the road than even the, there's probably less 77s on the road than there are 54s even yeah. i would think you know um so that's why but i i had always kept my eye out for one but i wanted to sit in i'm not really a big fan i'm not really a convertible guy um um, but anyway, I was, I was keeping an eye out for a 77 and, and I, I'm on bringing a trailer to look at all different oddball cars and just for fun. And this 77 was, uh, it had 137 and change miles on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, okay, maybe I'll take a look at it. And I threw kind of a lower bid out there thinking I'll, I'll, I'll get this car for a, f- a fair deal. Although I looked at the history on some of them, I was surprised at how much some of the seventies Beatles and super Beatles, <laughs> like Russell Rossi pointed out, I'm like, man, they're getting expensive. So let's you know? be, let's be honest in the beginning. This, this is what I want to talk about. When you first saw it, you thought, man, I could, if I got that car for 20 grand, that'd be a deal. Yeah. Cause who's looking for a 77? Who thinks that, <laughs> who else thinks they're worth any money except for me? You know what I mean? And, and what's interesting is, is, is how quickly it starts to go. And then realizing that there's another guy that's as committed as you are to buying this year car. When, when most of us in the classic VW hobby, we don't really say, oh yeah, a 77 bug worth it. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I can't even pay attention. I have to go look at some videos that I have because I've been to like Mark Merrill's collection up in uh, Northern California where he's got everything from a 47 split to everything all the way up to Mexican beetles in his collection. And I've never paid attention if he has a 77 beetle, you know? And so you're going in here thinking, you know what? Nobody will bring a trailer. They're not really VW guys. No one really knows what this thing's worth. Let me roll in here and see if I can swoop this thing up for a cool 20 grand or something. Exactly. So I threw a bit out there. And in fact, I even called my dad. My dad's still a big car guy. In fact, he just, um, he had a 67 fastback when uh, he got married to my mom years ago. 
And he just bought another one recently. His first Volkswagen in, you know, 30 some years. And uh, it's a really, really clean late model fastback, a 73 the last year for that. And so I called him. I said, you know, I'm thinking about putting a cap on this car of, of this much money. Do you think that's too much? He goes, no, I think you just need to get that car. You bought, you've been talking about it. You should just buy it. And I'm like, you're supposed to be talking me out of this. And uh, he was the worst person to call because he, he was very encouraging. He's watching a bit with me. He goes, keep going, keep going. I'm like, <laughs> we just stop it, you know? But, uh, but anyway, so I, yeah, they got out of, I got out of hand in my opinion, but um, well, I really want, I was pretty determined to get it. But I, pretty, honestly, I, here's the thing. I, mm-hmm. If we look at the values, Russell Ritchie sent me a list out of the last 79 Super Beetles low mileage cars that have sold, they've all the cheapest one was forty five thousand dollars. I know, and that had a few thousand miles on it. The ones that have a hundred or less than a few hundred miles, they've sold for upwards of sixty thousand dollars. So, in all sincerity, as much as people want to say, because there was there was a guy I met one time, uh, uh, Christian Grunman. And I met him at the Beetle Barn with my friend Chris yep. Cox that passed away. And they were kind of doing this little road trip thing. And they invited me to go with them. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm busy working. But, you know, we're talking about stuff. And Christian's got this unbelievable collection. And I was like, yeah, you know, what do you think this is worth? We're talking about some car. And I remember one thing he said to me, he goes, he says, yeah, but what is it worth if it's original? Because it's only original one time. It's never, you can restore anything, but to have it original unrestored is completely different, which he, he says, it, it's off, it, it doesn't matter. It's worth what someone feels they should pay for it because of you cannot find another one. You know, find another one and you can, I mean, not everybody's going to find it. I think we saw there was two Grand Nationals a few years back found in a storage locker and one had like a thousand miles and one had like 330 miles two brand new 87 buick grand nationals parked in a storage thing for since they were brand new and to find something like that it's just it's an anomaly and both those cars i think sold for half a million bucks something crazy like that exactly was it was that a gnx do you know yeah yeah the the, the, i I yeah so there are 501 made or something like that out of five five forty seven i think but five forty seven that's what it was yeah you're right yeah and i think to myself with this car here i mean when you really start thinking about it the the rarity of being able to to find because somebody had to buy this thinking maybe it was and i and i'm i'm curious the history on it like if if the owner the original owner worked for the dealership or was somebody connected dealership or just thought like this has got to be worth money because now let's talk about the 77 model itself because it was kind of the swan song did vw know this was the last and they really decked it out like they did with the ultima edition because it or is this one just every option on it they didn't really the car that i've got the car that i've got i know a little bit about the history of this car and i'll tell you that uh, in a second but this car does have it does have dealer installed air conditioning and that's the thing is like there were no books like never installed air conditioning on air cooled uh mm-hmm. vw from the factory other than i think the first couple of years of vanagon which was air cold i think that was a factory installed unit but on you know the beetles and carmen Gias, it was always deal it was always been, been available since the 60s but it was always dealer installed so my car dealer installed air conditioning and it had a sunroof 
And uh, so I had a couple of options on it uh, that are, I think are pretty desirable. And um, I like the color. The only key, that's the thing is there were only three colors available that year in the city. They were really winding things down. And only, you know, there were two interior options. They had cameo white, and I think they had a cloth <laughs> interior option too. They were winding down, you Dude, know? Was it something like, Klaus, how many colors do we have left? Three. Okay, when we're done, we're done <laughs> painting these cars. Like, we're, we're done with I it. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, can only... I think so. I'm surprised they even named the color in the brochure, like a blue. Okay, there's blue leftover from a rabbit or whatever. They'll throw that on there, you know. But right. but it's a little make car. But there there are some interesting things. It's got they still made changes on it, which is kind of crazy. But they had the the seats were uh, they had adjustable headrests, which was one year only for the sedan. Mm -hmm. But one thing I did notice they they don't have um, door they don't have door pockets. I think those were discontinued in '75, which you know Beatles for years had door pockets. And my car, my '77. Um, does not have a day nightmare. My 76 does though. So it looks like that's another change that they made, like kind of trying to save a few bucks. Maybe I'm, I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but it's, it's very, most of the cars really similar to my 77, but there are a couple of small differences. Well, here's what it says in the, in the VW, the hot VWs article where it shows where this maybe this looks like, uh, um, it, well, I don't know where they compiled the information from, but I'm sure it had somewhere to do with where they were you know, putting this together because a lot of factory photos in here, but it says the US sales were 12,090 units of sedans. Original price was $3,699. So that's 3,700 bucks when a few years earlier, it's, you know, in 75, it's $3,000. Now it jumps up another 20%, you know, and right. then, you know, it, it keeps getting more expensive. And then it says features last year for a Beetle sedan, Champagne edition convertible introduced, full carpeting for sedan, front seats have new backrests with separate adjustable headrests, redesigned door panels, redesigned pedal pads, and plastic headlight rings replace chrome-plated metal units. So I didn't know I didn't oh, know that's that. right. I didn't know that. Yeah, so so right. the, the headlight rings are plastic on that car. That's right. You can't tell by looking at it because they're they were chrome plated. Right. Whereas some of the other cars, they did a black, like you mentioned, um, seventy five. You mentioned the seventy five model year and the three thousand dollar price. Volkswagen came out with a an unspecial edition called the one ten, which was a really stripped down bug. It had black headlight rings and black bumpers, no trim on it. It had no hubcaps. It had only the center part of the headliner was there. It was an ultra no no fresh air ventilation system. They did that just to keep the price advertised below three grand. And that it was, was in, only available for and one that year. That was in seventy five. You said. 75 standard beetle yeah but it was a decontented one if you can imagine a beetle being decontented right that's wild yeah so but the 77 that i that i got and I, and I agree with what you're saying so what made me finally do it is this is you and i both restored cars you know how much it costs to restore a car oh, yeah. you even if you pay a lot of money for for one that's either original or done unless you're working for free or for 10 cents on the dollar you're always almost better better off buying one that's done. And in my experience, I still have never seen a restored car that's been as well put together as an original. I don't know how they put them together in three minutes better than a restorer can do it in 10 years, <laughs> but they managed to pull it off, you know? They do. <laughs> so. They do. I mean, especially when you look at the details, like the way the rubber's installed and all that. And, and I mean, like every every part and piece on it is it just fits so so well you know and it's sure it, like you i got said your mexican beetle with no miles on it that probably thing probably is beautiful it probably drives like a dream you know? yeah no it it's super it's super nice the problem is i've got high performance volkswagens and i'm like this thing's a dog i need a sway bar i need <laughs> I, I just start going through the list in my head of all the modifications i want to make to this bug and and 
I've, I've started to peel back my reservations for doing things because on this bug, I keep thinking there's a lot of O3s out there. If I had to guess, there's probably at least a few hundred really low mileage of these cars. They're like the, it, they're like the, the, the Chevy 454 pickup when it came out, everybody bought one, parked it in the garage, you know, the, the last of the OBS body style, it was a dog 454, but everybody thought because of the 454 SS special edition, and you can still find quite a few of those with really low mileage because they were bought as like, a, oh yeah, this is the last of the last. And so now with that, right. I, I keep thinking with my Mexican Beetle, which it's like you could never do to your 77. I keep thinking like, well, I'm going to modify this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to you know put some sway bars on it, some better shocks, lower, do a little adjustment to the suspension and do some of those things. But, you know, my buddy Burley, you know, when he bought, he bought his Mexican Beetle and he did a bunch of modifications to make it look a little older and did some, some of his own customization. But you know, he said, yeah, I bought it. So I could, so I could be the guy putting every mile on it. And I thought, yeah, there's, there's some truth to that. Cause it's, it's almost like it's great to have it with really low mileage. It's really cool to have it, especially for something to, to really enjoy how it was put together originally, you know, and to look at it from a reference standpoint of what it is. But, but then also with this particular car that you have, I think it's on a different level of collector grade than my car, because my car, there's hundreds out there, I believe, of low mileage 03 Beetles. And especially with the Ultima editions, when they did like the last 100 that came off the line, there was so many of those that were just mothballed as soon as they came off the line. I mean, a friend of mine had two of them. He had one of each color. They came in like a, they're awful looking, they're powder blue and like, and like a, uh, like a, uh, milky beige i mean just gross and then, i agree i like yours much better much better than the last edition the one that you've got i've seen pictures of your car it's much much better yeah and the, and, and and the and what i really liked about the standard that i have is it's no chrome red on black it's and that's why the plates on it say oh oh three cow look you know what i mean because like a factory cow look with the painted to match bumpers and all that stuff but with your car so you see this thing and and you start getting into the bidding on this dude and how long, how long is this bid going for and how quickly does it go up? Or do you just wait toward the end and start sniping on it? Oh man, it was, it was a very stressful day because I was on my way to the airport when it was the last hour, my fiance and I were going to New York. Um, <laughs> so I was on, it. in fact, I, the last like two minutes, my phone was in the security system. I'm like, I've got to get through this. <laughs> I can keep bidding on this thing. So I, um, I got it out and yeah, that was, it was just, um, in fact, one, one of the commenters was like, can you guys stop it? Just somebody bid $1,000 up because you're killing me with this water torture because we we're bidding like $200 increments. Me and right. one other guy were heated on it. And I think one other guy was willing to go more, but um, I think he was willing to spend like four grand more than I ended up winning the car for. But I don't remember what happened to him where he was away from his phone or, or something. I can't remember. He, there was a comment that he made on Bring a Trailer. But yeah, I was pretty, I, honestly, I was pretty determined to get this car. Um, I had already blown away where my mental cap was at on it. And, um, like, I'm just, I'm going to go home with this thing unless it really got out of hand. You know, I wasn't going to be like a $300,000 bus or whatever, you know, I'm like, I'm not getting that crazy, but you know, I feel like it's a long-term stock. That's why I make myself feel better. I'm like, I'm going to keep this car. Now I am going to drive it a little bit though. I am, I, I drove it to the DMV. So it's already got 30 miles on it more than what I bought it with almost. And, uh, but I'm going to do, I bought another set of the same wheels and, and new tires so I can shell these wheels and put the tires on it. I'm going to do the fuel lines and brake hydraulics on it. 
Um, cause the car, I'll tell you the car drives beautiful. You can see what people bought them. The only thing is it just, uh, the tires, you can tell they're rock hard, but I mean, other than that, everything is smooth and quiet. And, um, that's the other thing is they're really, they were really a refined car to keep up with traffic. And, you know, they really are a nice driving car. These late model Beatles like this. Yeah. And um, it, but and yeah, so that's how I ended up, that's how I ended up winning the car though. I just was pretty determined. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to get stupid, I'm just going to stay in it and, <laughs> until the end, you know, I want to floorboard it. That's it. We're, we're getting get really this. Dumb. <laughs> so now since you got it, so I, I was looking here on the thing where it said something about the air condition doesn't blow cold. Did you have, have you had the AC checked out? Have you got the little things done on it when you got it? I mean, what's the first thing you do when you get it? Uh, the first thing I did is I, I drove it. I, you know, I drove it uh, to the DMV to get emissions testing done on it so you can get uh, registered because in Arizona, they require emissions on anything 67 and newer, as it mm-hmm. turns out. Um, so, um, but no, I haven't, I've just been collecting parts for it. I'm going to hopefully the next week or two, I'm going to start carrying into it. Like I said, it's, it doesn't need a lot, but just like I want to go through the brake hydraulics um, and the fuel lines. Um, just just preventatively you and know, now, so it doesn't burn to the ground or something you were talking about the the history on this particular car that you know some of the history about this car the purchase and all that type of stuff you were saying yes yeah, so, okay so the guy that i got it from um is a car car dealer the guy that i had it before me and he actually has photos of the car when it was at the volkswagen dealer in 77 and the story that i got was that the car i, I originally thought the car just stayed at the dealer from new but I did a little checking on it. It looks like what happened is somebody did buy this car for their daughter and the daughter ended up not liking it because it was a stick shift. She wanted something automatic. So they, she put like 108 miles on it and they took it back to the dealer and traded it in on, uh, <clears throat> on something with an automatic transmission. I don't know if it was a rabbit or what, but because mm-hmm. by then, so VW stopped selling automatic stick shift models. 76 was the last year for that. Uh, 76, 75 was the last report. 76, they discontinued it. So 76 and 7, they only had four speeds available. So when they returned it to the dealer, and the dealer just decided to hold on to it after it was announced that Volkswagen wasn't going to sell anymore. In fact, my car was made in June, so it was really close to the end. They stopped selling, making them in July of uh, 77. My car was made in June. So it was really close to the very end. Um, but anyway, the dealer kept it until 2009. And all they would do is once a year, they would bring it to their um, – service department change the oil and fluids on it and then park it back in the showroom. Wow. And they did that until 2009 In 2009, the dealership changed hands and the car was sold to a, a collector who had 70 cars. And then, um, he kept it for, I don't know, 10 years or so. And then he sold it to the gentleman that I got it from. Wow. He was paring, paring down his collection. So did you get copies of those pictures of it in front of the dealership? They're in the mail right now. I just talked to him the other day because I, I found these because I asked him, I said, you know what dealer? Because I want to find dealer plate frames for it from right. the original dealer. Um, so he's, he found the name. It was out, actually out of Van Nuys, California originally. So right. supposedly these pictures and everything are in the mail. So I haven't gotten them yet, but I'm, hopefully it'll be here soon. It was just a couple of days ago I talked to him. And those cars, they still had drum brakes in the front till the very end? Drum brakes in the front till the very end, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Even ne- the Super Beatles did. Yeah, they never switched to discs like the Ghia, huh? That's, that's right. They never switched the discs. And even it. in Europe, you know, the regular Beatles even had disc brakes on them, let alone Super Beatles. And the Super Beetle, again, that was available here until, you know, I think they stopped making it in January of 80 in convertible form. And those they had drums to the end also. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a unique piece. And it's in Arizona? It's in Arizona, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, for my show, we do have cars on display inside the hotel. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe I'll drive it to you. I'll get a lot of aggravated. <laughs> <laughs> but if you decide to bring up your cow liquor and you got a two car trailer and you want to bring that thing up, put it on display inside the hotel, man, <laughs> I can put it on display there for it you. It might happen. You never know, man. It could happen. You know, would, I've done some crazier things. So it, it would just be cool to see that thing, you know, because like I've got my Mexican beetle and I'll take it to cars and coffee and stuff like that. And I try to keep it, you know, it sits in my garage. I just take it to cars and coffee and that's about it. I might take it for a cruise on a Saturday or something. But it, it, it's one of those cars that it deserves a board next to it because people, they don't pay attention to the fact that it's a brand new car from 2003 and it's, this is how they built them from the factory. Because when once people look at it and you tell them like, this is A, the last Beetle made, or this was the last year Volkswagen made Beetles in Mexico, or whatever you tell them about a car, they kind of do a double take and, well, let me look at this again, you know? And yeah, totally. It, it, it's interesting how... Um, people just walk by the bug that my bug until if I tell them like, yeah, yeah, it's a two thousand. that's not a 2003. I'm like, yeah, it's a 2003 Mexican beetle. Really? What, what What's different about it? And they go, Oh, you know, I started giving them the tour and they're pretty amazed, you know? So it's, it's one of those cars that you for sure got to have yourself a nice placard made up with, uh, you know, something to put in front of the vehicle so people can really appreciate it because it's a car to be appreciated, especially when you can, you, I think we look at cars different. You and I were talking about bad paint jobs, I think, um, previously on yep. the phone. And, <laughs> we were. And, and I said, and w- without giving names of places and whatnot, we talked about the, yep. it, when it's no different than when you tell someone, yeah, my buddy painted that in his backyard. They go, wow, it looks good. Or if you say, yeah, I paid $25,000 for that paint job, people go, Wait a second. Let me look at this real close because I got to see what you get for $25,000. And people try to, you know, when you know the story behind something, you view it through a different set of lenses, you know. And I think the important thing with that car is, you know, it's interesting to see how many, if any, how many are out there of 77s that were kept because this doesn't seem like it was an intentional holdback. Like it was sold to somebody and then someone said, ah, you know what? They're not going to make any more. We'll keep this used one since we, you know, the dealership probably made all their money back on it, buying it and selling it. And so it just may have been a happenstance deal, but I'm curious if it was something that it was the only people in the know that knew, you know what I mean? That, that were able to, not buy or, you know, in fact, buy, uh, a 77 knowing there wouldn't, knowing there wouldn't be a 78 beetle, you know, or when did VW announce that? I wonder. So, so I wonder that too. I, I don't think there was as much fanfare on the sedan. Cause I think Volkswagen was really hoping to keep this thing going. But when the sales took that huge nosedive last couple of years, they were just like, okay, we're done. Whereas like the convertible, it was announced, like it was announced in 78 that they were going to stop selling them in another year or so that that's going to be it. So the 79 convertibles, you could find a lot of them with low miles on them. Yeah. But the, the values are still up there, but you can, you know, if you want a low mile 79 convertible, you can find them. They're for sale almost all the time, you know, 500 miles, a thousand miles or whatever, because I think 79 people, like you said, with the, uh, the with the Chevy, people started locking them away or the, the ultimate edition. There's tons of them out there. Um, yeah. The epilogue, but, uh, the, the epilogue the is the last of the, of the Beatles. They had the epilogue uh, edition where right. it's triple black. Exactly. What they did too, Volkswagen was supposed to stop it at the end of 70, 79. And because they had so many orders to fulfill, <laughs> they kept it going for like six, you know, six extra months until January of 80. You know, they, those are, those cars are still titled as 79, but, um, 
you know, there were so many, they, I think there was a few 79 model year, which was extended was their best sale sales year ever for the convertible. But I think they sold like 15 or 16,000. If you look at 75 as well as 80, they sold like 15 or 16,000, something like that. But um, the 77 sedans there, they, I don't think it was really announced that they were going to be done. I think Volkswagen was trying to keep this thing going as long as they could. You know, there yeah. were rumors about its demise for a long time. But. Yeah. Well, and looking at the sell, look, look at the sales numbers in 78 sales were 9932. And then 79, it was 10,681. And then in 1980, there were 4572. And it says here that uh, the remaining cars built after 1231 to 79 claimed to be 79 serial numbers for emission reasons. Most of the 1980 model cars were produced during the 1979 production year. But yeah, 5,000 5, drug passed their, you know, stopping right. production. And interestingly enough, you know, Volkswagen still produced these cars into Mexico and into Brazil and stuff like that. And they just kept making them. And, and which, which I think is probably where the rumor starts of like, it's an emissions thing, you know, because they're still, no, I think you're, you're probably right. You know, but the reality is it's just a business decision because there's just, the sales are not where they are in or nowhere near where they had been, you know? So would have been interesting to, uh, I mean, well, we saw what later brought us, right, in 2000 or 90, was it 98 when the new Beetle came out, 98 or 99? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it's like, the, it's the worst part. It's like they brought out Barbie's car. And it's like, you got to be kidding me because it's almost a... It's, totally. It, a buddy of mine said, it looks like it's your bubbles coming out of the tailpipe as it goes down the road. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and so. the crazy part is the second gen of that body style is actually really good looking. And, and it's got enough. It looks more like a throwback than yep. a plastic car. Like, you know, because you, <laughs> you have all these companies like Dodge and Chevrolet and all these people bring it, you know, Chevrolet brought back the Camaro and Dodge brought back the Charger and the Challenger and all these things. And there's this whole there's a whole segment of the population that's in, engaged in this, in this, you know, reminiscent, um, updated retro version of those cars, like all the best sure. parts and the, all, all the best parts from then and now combined into a really good car. And, uh, you know, I think VW, I, I'd be interested to get, uh, and I'll probably do a podcast now and find out what production numbers were in respect to, uh, the new Beetle stuff, because, you know, it'd be interesting to see how many units they sold compared to the air cooled and how successful it was, especially if they're using the air cooled beetle as the benchmark, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy level of production for vehicles. But, well, I mean, I think it's, I, I, think, it's, I, I think it's great that you bought that car. I think it, I think it's, it's great on multiple levels. It's great that you are a, a longtime podcast listener, B, an avid collector and C, a collector that's in the hobby that salvaged one of those cars. Cause it's just a shame when some of these really nice Volkswagens end up as part of a collection, but like a second tier collection for a big collector. Like, ah, eh, it's just a Volkswagen. Meanwhile, it's a really desirable Volkswagen in the world of VW people. And so I think it's, I think it's only fitting that it ends up going to a, a hardcore Volkswagen enthusiast that really it's kind of the, the gem of their collection versus like it goes to a guy with Duesenbergs and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's one of those VW things too, you know? 
So yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. I, I love Volkswagen. I like other cars too, but I've always, you know, VW's always been my, my favorite. I like, you know, pre-war cars and I've got other cars, but you know, Volkswagen's are really my, my number one thing. I just think they're a great car, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think it, I think it's great. And, uh, anything else on the super beetle that you think we didn't touch on because as we started parsing this out and I kept thinking about it, I just kept thinking there's a lot of uniqueness in the super beetle stuff. And if, and I think it may be harder to find low mileage super beetles than it is to find, and we're talking about sedans, right? We're not talking about convertibles right. because we know that they're, they're, right. when they announce the end of a car, everybody runs out all the investors run out and buy one. Right. But when you're talking about the, just the Super Beetle years by themselves, there's a lot of them produced, but how many do you see that are in really good original condition, you know? Not that many. In my early driving, I helped increase the value by putting some of them into their grave, you <laughs> right. know? So, right. Mike, <laughs> determined. Some and some I'm helping you guys out. So yeah, you guys are welcome. Determined <laughs> to increase the value. Well. Man, it's, it, this is, listen, this has been an awesome, you know, podcast here just catching up on this getting to chat with you as far as you know being a podcast listener and a supporter and also a collector and then finding out that there's a lot of connections and that's really the way the volkswagen world is right there's always like the six the, the, the six degrees of kevin bacon like we're all at some point connected through either a friend a mutual acquaintance a car a, a, a car painter or mechanic or whatever but there's there's always that connection that we can find, and uh, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm I tell you, if I'm down in Phoenix, or you can be down there during that because uh, Phoenix got that last bugarama coming up, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm planning on I'm planning on it, and I'm not sure if I'm going to try to run my '67. Um, I raced it last last year, and I made one pass before it uh, before parts started falling off of it. Um, but I'm going to give it another shot this year. Uh, so yeah, I'm planning on, on being down there. I'm either going to run that or bring one of my low mileage cars. So I'll be there for sure. And um, yeah, I, I definitely. Hopefully, now, you can make it out here, man. It'd be good. good to be, it'd be good to have you here. The you only know, good to see you. yeah, the only challenge that I have is a it's Sunday, and I hate to go out there on Sunday and then drive back Sunday afternoon, and then b it's my son's birthday so i gotta convince him and <laughs> unfortunately for him <laughs> this is something you want to do <laughs> yeah hey son i think you really want to go to a volkswagen show for your birthday um and he would i know one way i could get him to go for sure i'd say you can race the car he's 14 and he's since he's 10 years old to keep him busy i had a, I had a little r32 automatic and uh i was I, I do a swap meet here in vegas and I'm going around after the swap meet through the stadium parking lot, just picking up stuff and collecting tax forms from people and whatever. And I was like, and he was really hating being there because it was the longest day ever of his life. And I said, here, <laughs> you know, the, the new Volkswagens, you could slide that seat all the way up against the steering wheel. I said, here, you drive and just take me around wherever. Cause he drives a little go-karts and side-by-sides and stuff like that. Yeah, Man, this kid was like, if I tell him he can drive, that kid is going, and he doesn't care. He'll, <laughs> he'll drive well, anywhere. So maybe I might just tell him he's got to drive me down to Phoenix and uh, Phoenix and back for this car show. So. Who knows? That, that, that'd be awesome. I've got a, mine is uh, just about 13 and uh, they can grumble about it together, you know, and uh, <laughs> they can complain <laughs> have about a grudge match on the drag strip. That's it. <laughs> well, cool. Well, Mike, man, it was great, great chatting with you and getting this, uh, getting this detail out about some of the stuff that we missed on the Super Bowl, and then also getting the story on the guy that we know through Let's Talk Dubs as the, uh, the lowest mileage 1977 Beetle that exists. So 
Not for long. We'll see. Well, yeah. We'll see. Listen, we'll see. We'll see what's going to be out there, man. But hey, great talking to you. I'm looking forward to seeing you down at uh, at the Bugarama. Bill, it was great talking to you. And again, thank you for all that you do. Like I said, you keep a lot of us enthusiasts going. A lot of us are out there working on our cars, and you've got your podcast on. And you know, thank you for putting the time and effort that you do. Love uh, it. So thank you. Hey, man, I I, I appreciate that. Listen, the the feel I, I do it because I'm one of us. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I know that absolutely, yeah, absolutely. My my only problem is I get to live it. I don't get to enjoy it because I, I don't really ever listen back to them. It's just rare when I do because it's kind of weird to hear my own voice. But I definitely, you know, I get the experience of actually having the conversation, which is which is the part that I love because there's just so so many layers of this hobby that really I'm really enthusiastic about, and this for sure has been one of them. So, Mike, great talking Same. to you, and uh, for sure we'll we'll catch up soon. Sounds good, brother. Be good. Be safe. If you like that podcast, and I'm sure you did, make sure you share this podcast with your friends. Copy the link. Send it out to your buddies. They're missing some great VW talk. Share it on the platforms that you go on, on Facebook and Instagram. I appreciate when you guys share the podcast, man. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And to support Let's Talk Dubs or support any of our sponsors, Ross Wolf, VW Trans Magazine, Lanny Hussey Custom Cars. Make sure you guys show those people some support. They support your favorite podcast. So until next week, guys, later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Volkswagen.